You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen, and I have the great pleasure to welcome Dr. Ian Garner, Academic Skills Outreach Coordinator with the Student Academic Success Services uh, Unit here at Queen's University. Welcome, Dr. Garner, to the studio today. Hello. Thank you for having me. May I call you Ian? You absolutely may. Thank you. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at SAS. So I am the rather clumsily titled Academic Skills Outreach Coordinator at SAS, and that means uh, I have a great deal of responsibility for running various elements of our programming at SAS, coming and talking to wonderful people like you, talking orientation events and across campus, running workshops on learning strategies and writing. We can delve into what exactly learning strategies and writing means for us, Mm -hmm. Uh, and running our two fabulous peer volunteer programs, the Peer Learning Assistance and the Peer Writing Assistance. Oh, boy. So um, how did you come into your role? And it sounds like you've got a lot going on. What do you love most about it? Uh, so the how I ended up here is a rather convoluted story. As you can probably tell from my accent, I am not a native Canadian. Um, so I did my undergraduate degree in England in Russian. And then I moved to Russia and studied music in St. Petersburg. Then I did a PhD in Russian literature at U of T, where I did a lot of language teaching. I also spent some time teaching English. So I was always really interested in helping students out and seeing what they can do kind of beyond the traditional course setting. And so when I was graduating, I was looking for a role like this. And uh, it's fabulous to be able to help students and support professors and really just kind of work with students one on one where maybe professors and faculty see students in such big groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say my absolute favorite thing about the role is seeing nervous students, whether they are you know, first week of first year, really kind of overwhelmed by so much going on, wide eyed or whether they are graduate students about to defend, being able to work one-on-one with them and seeing us help them relieve that anxiety is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay. And uh, it sounds like a wonderful thing and sounds like a great service. Tell us a little bit more about the work that SAS does, particularly in these one-on-one sessions. Uh, The types of programs and services offered to students throughout the year, for example, uh, what can one expect to find at SAS? So the nature of the support really depends on the time of year it is. Okay. You sort of follow the contours of the semester as typically students go from planning, organizing, uh, sometimes then over the next few weeks not following through on those plans entirely so well, but starting to write reports, uh, prepare for midterms and tests, then maybe have a bit of a rethink and a catch-up heading through into the sort of, uh, I don't know, 75% of the way through the semester, and then to prepare for final exams. Of course, it's a little different for graduate students, mm-hmm. but our programming then varies depending on, on exactly where we are in the semester. Mm-hmm. Typically, we offer three modes of programming. Uh, we have a website which is absolutely jam-packed with resources that students can use, both undergraduate and graduate to teach themselves the skills that they need to do well, whether that is time management, focusing on procrastination, worrying about technology distraction. That's something we're talking a lot about these Mm -hmm. days. Um, 
how to put together a great report that matches the expectations of your professors, uh, how to prepare for your, your defense or a presentation that you're about to give at a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a series of workshops. We have drop-in workshops happening in Stauffer Library, where our offices are situated. And you can find out the details of those workshops on our website, but you can just drop in, no registration, and we'll teach you some of these basic skills. Some of the workshops are run by professionals. Some of them are run by those fabulous peer volunteers I mentioned earlier. Uh, We go into classrooms at the invitation of professors and we'll deliver workshops tailored to what those professors are telling us their students need. Mm -hmm. And then we have the one-on-one service, which I think is this really just fabulous service it's a great opportunity when students in these really really big classes maybe when they feel like university academic life at least is kind of rushing by at 100 miles an hour they can come in and meet with a learning strategist or a writing specialist and bring us everything from an absolute blank laptop screen blank slate really don't know how to get started to an outline, a draft, uh, questions about how to catch up or how to kind of break down a really big task. Mm -hmm. Or indeed, you can bring us something that you think is finished. Mm -hmm. Or tell us, I think I'm doing well, but, you know, I'm always always hitting an A-, I'm always hitting an A, and I really want to take it to that next level, to the A+. Mm -hmm. We will help those students out. Okay. What would you say, um, just for uh, folks that might be walking in or the inquiries that you see, uh, what would you say is the most frequent issue that students bring to your office? Is it a matter of I, I procrastinate too much or I have so many assignments and I don't know where to start? Or what do you see most? I would say for undergraduate students, and this surprised me when I came here, I would have expected at a university like Queen's, which is, you know, a great university with students coming in with really good high school averages, I would have expected, and especially based on my past work at U of T, that students would be telling us that I'm really struggling with the kind of the critical thinking piece of what I'm working on. Mm. I can't, I feel I'm going to class, I feel I'm doing all the work I should be doing, but I just can't quite wrap my head around the thing that's going to elevate my work from good to great. Yeah. But actually... Actually, in fact, I I ran a workshop that I somewhat uh, bluntly called From B's to A's, How to Improve Your Grades This Year in January. 60 people in there. The room was absolutely packed. And I expected everyone to be telling me, you know, about these intellectual critical thinking problems. But what they were telling me was we can't balance our work and our social life. We don't know how to get on top of this constant onslaught of tests and quizzes and deadlines and readings and reflection pieces and essays. This is a huge problem when students are also coming into university and you're trying to make friends, you're trying to do cool extracurricular stuff, and absolutely you should be doing those things. But how do you balance that with getting the academic work done in the way that you want to do it and Mm -hmm. feeling like you've done a good job? Mm -hmm. Plus, of course, the horrible problems that we have in society of tech distraction, of, you know, social media, telephones just kind of dragging us away. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. Yep. There's a lot going on. How do you balance all those things? And if you're not balancing those things, if you're not managing your time well, 
then you're never going to be able to do that, even get to the stage of doing that kind of critical thinking piece. I've been guilty of playing some Candy Crush while writing the introduction to my dissertation. Too. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm terrible. Um, oh, I have to go do laundry or <laughs> my house was never so clean, except when exactly, I was finishing my... I've got to organize my sock drawer, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. But that's a procrastination issue too. From that, what what prompts that particular kind of procrastination and it's something I think that all students at any level actually do experience just not wanting to engage but also knowing that the work is there and then you're just getting extra flustered about the need to do the work but you're still procrastinating at the same time do you know what I mean? I'm glad you mentioned the word flustered because really procrastination is a problem that's to do with stress and anxiety yeah we procrastinate on assignments that we're worried about. And unfortunately, at university, whether you're a first-year undergraduate writing your first 2,000-word paper, uh-oh, never done one of those before. How do I start? What mm-hmm. is expected of me? Whether you're in second year, the papers get longer, more complicated. Third year, fourth year, grad level, who's ever written more than one PhD? No one, because it's tough and it's scary. So we're constantly faced with newer, bigger, and intellectually more complex tasks. Mm-hmm. Guess what we do? Anything but this. Until we have this horrible negative motivating factor of deadline and fear of failure. Yeah. When we're, you know, six hours out. So what can SAS do to help um, remediate this particular issue that all students encounter? And professors, for that matter. Absolutely. Everybody does. <laughs> yes. Everybody procrastinates. Yeah. I procrastinate, you procrastinate, because we're constantly faced with these these difficult and knotty tasks. Yes. What would you, what would I do? Well, the first thing that I would do is log onto our website and read some of those resources about procrastination. If you find that you've tried some of those strategies and they're really not working for you, come along to a workshop or book a one-on-one appointment and we will talk about you. Mm-hmm. And that's the point at which I think our services get really, really useful. Because mm-hmm. in a very busy university with thousands and thousands of students, there are relatively few opportunities to sit down with someone who's an expert in a particular field and talk about you and your worries and anxieties and your ambitions and goals and strengths and talents mm-hmm. and to find a route from where you are right now to achieving the goal you actually want to achieve. Okay. Now, one thing I wondered about, though, too, and it's something that I had once experienced or, well, experienced many times in several degrees that I've done, uh, but I remember sometimes I just couldn't actually start my work day because I was just so overwhelmed with the massiveness of the task of, you know, doing the research and writing that dissertation. But at the undergrad level, sometimes way back then, oh my gosh, I have this the paper due, that paper due, I have to study for this exam, and oh, I have to do this in-class test for my language course. And uh, just, I, part of the procrastination, I guess, was also like, I just don't know where to start. Because there was just so much, right? So one of the things that I actually had learned, and I'm not sure um, what you would say about this, uh, learned along the way, and it was actually uh, thanks to uh, one of my uh, PhD advisors who said, okay, instead of just sitting here, like, not able to write because you're thinking of the whole big picture, look at things in very small things. If you start with, with a little small aspect and then just start building from there. Don't just pick some tasks that you need to do at a small level. Things will get done. You can wrap the big picture up later on, but if the big picture is absolutely, I mean, here here is a good example. When I as a student see on my syllabus I've got to write a 2000 word paper or 10 or 20,000 words, doesn't really matter the length. Yes. 
the mental image I think most people and even I would have in my head is of those couple of days before the deadline when I'm actually sitting at my laptop writing, right? But when you break this down into a series of tasks, mm -hmm. that sort of the distance between myself now and that far off image of being ready to write that paper, mm -hmm. actually there are a series of points along the journey. So, you know, I might spend, yes, a day on that draft and then a couple of hours afterwards editing before that. Maybe I spend three or four hours reading a particular book, a couple of hours on an article or several articles. I might mm -hmm. take some notes on them. I might spend an hour coming up with a thesis statement. I might spend a couple of hours coming up with an outline. Mm -hmm. Now, if I were to tell you, go away and write me a 3,000-word essay for next week, you would say, well, no, no, th no thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see your face. You're bloody terrified. It sounds awful. About what? <laughs> but if, if I were to give you a nice, structured kind of journey towards reaching that destination of having written the essay and said, okay, go read an article for a book for a couple of hours. Say, yeah, okay. Doesn't, maybe not the most fun thing in the world if it's not a topic you particularly want to do, which would mm -hmm. help. But you, you wouldn't be so anxious about it. Right. And then if I said, okay, draft me out an essay outline. Do me a first draft, but it doesn't matter what the style or the grammar looks like. No one's going to read it except you. You can write in shorthand. You can write in text message speak. You can write in a different language if you need to. Mm-hmm. And then we'll edit it afterwards. Okay. Suddenly all the anxieties, you know, they're not going to be eliminated, but at least we can see a route from A to B. All right. So good thinking for some students out there who are still uh, finishing their uh, papers, for example, is, and they're moving into exam periods. But of course, some graduate students right now are also finishing end of term uh, papers as well. So good for them to think about too. Um, so so getting back to some of the logistics now uh, regarding uh, the services and things that are offered uh, at SAS, I also wondered, um, we talked about some of the one-on-one -on -one services and the resources available that you mentioned on your website. I wondered, though, if there are specific services that are available for, say, international students or graduate and professional students or um, English as an additional language learners and um, distance learners. Absolutely. So I want to stress that all of our services are available to every Queen student. Mm -hmm. Part-time, first-year undergraduate, international students, English as an additional language students, distance students, we will help you if you're a Queen's student. Um, for English as an additional language students, we have a full-time coordinator, uh, Alyssa. She is wonderful and very welcoming and inviting, and she can work with students one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. You can book an appointment with her on the website. Mm -hmm. We also have some resources dedicated to EAL students on the website. But also, all of the people that work with us have training in working across languages and across cultures and often I think the problem is and I say this not just from my technical knowledge but also my personal experience of you know knocking back and forth between different countries sometimes the problem is not so much linguistic as cultural understanding what Canadian professors are expecting from you when they tell you go write a literature review what do they really mean I've never seen one in my home country before yeah we understand that mm -hmm. and we're trained to deal with that so if you come and seek out the support it is absolutely there for you Okay, so what specific programs then and initiatives are in place for undergraduate students, uh, perhaps now embarking on the exam season for oh, the end of the year? Boy, tis the season, isn't tis it? Tis the season. <laughs> um, so we offer a lot of support for exam prep. 
once again, the website is a good starting point for various resources. Um, but we also run a series of workshops each semester. They have now drawn to a close, sadly. So you've got us just too late to uh, get in on the workshop help. Um, but you can book appointments with learning strategies and get some help. Uh, also, we have this semester developed these uh, posters for a number of sort of tricky first year courses, mm -hmm. which contain lots of different information about how to prep for the exam. I'll give you a brief summary of sort of uh, what that information is. So if you're in English or devs or psych, bio, econ, physics, math 121, I believe is the course code, chem 112, uh, did I say psych? Psych is psych is the big one for yes. first year students. <laughs> yeah. You can log onto our website and on the front page there is a link to some of that information and it really kind of delves into some of the specifics for your course about how you can prepare efficiently and effectively. Okay, I was actually going to ask about that, telling telling us more about the course specific uh, exam study resources. Of course though you can't have exam study resources for every single course at the university so what happens then if a student is looking but can't necessarily find um, the resources for those specific courses what recourse might they have so they just would still be able to go for one-on-one -on -one services and absolutely. access the resources absolutely yes and we will help you know delve into you've got a multiple choice exam we'll mm -hmm. take you through the syllabus we'll take we'll have a look at your textbooks with you and try and kind of prioritize what you need to know. Mm -hmm. I think the great error that I see most first-year students making is to look at this thousand-page psych or bio textbook they've got to think, okay, step one, memorize every single fact in this textbook. Mm -hmm. Step two, I'll try and address some of the bigger concerns and do a bit of practice and, you know, that'll get me to exam day. Mm -hmm. The problem with this is Nobody can memorize a thousand pages of facts about psychology or bio. I bet you could test your professors on it and they wouldn't remember some of the facts in the book. Right. Not only could you not do this if you had a year to do it, you certainly can't do it when you've got four or five days until the exam, plus right. you're balancing other exams. Exactly. So the key is to be to be strategic, mm -hmm. to use the resources on our website to work out how to prioritize and work out, well, I don't need to know 100% of the information to pass this exam. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out or try to figure out what is the best way to anticipate the 30% of information that will be on that exam to marshal that knowledge and understand probably what I'm going to be doing is making an argument, doing some analysis or some evaluation of, of some theory, some concept that is underlying the course as a whole and drawing on a few facts to support arguments or mm -hmm. to make my case for something. Okay. Now, I wondered um, about in, this, in the season of exam preparation and getting ready and starting the planning for uh, sitting down and doing the task of studying, and in some cases, memorization, which I personally, I don't think is a great way to uh, undertake studying for an exam. I don't know how, if it's happened to you before, but I remember doing a lot of memorization and then getting that exam back I don't know, a while later and then oh I got an A but then looking at it saying I don't I don't even remember any of this stuff at all because I remembered it for the exam but it didn't actually retain the knowledge absolutely I mean you're kind of you can get through the exam but in second year or third year or wherever you're going when you need to remember those ideas that were actually in bio 103 yeah 
you've got to go back and teach yourself all the material again. Exactly. So you're actually kind of creating more problems for yourself. Yeah. So one thing that I did, and I, and I wondered too in terms of exam prep, because exam prep start could start day one of the course, as soon as you get that syllabus and you can sort of see, okay, what resources I'm going to be doing and using in this particular course. Um, one thing that I like to do, actually, I'm... I know that, you know, uh, students now in their lecture halls often prefer using computers, but I always hand wrote my notes in class in my own particular shorthand. Then I would go home and transcribe them into neat, readable, like full lecture notes in my computer. And then I would parse that down into, you know, bullet points that I could actually just like print out and have just one sheet of paper that had the main ideas and a few, you know, useful examples, which I could then review throughout the term as I built up more knowledge. So by the time I got to the end of the term, what I had done the first week of classes, I didn't necessarily have to like search through all those notes because I already had them there and I had already reviewed them over and over again throughout the term. I found that incredibly helpful and that allowed me to, you know, get through exam season without too much anxiety in an ideal world yes we would have learned all the information during weeks one to twelve yeah. however it is now approaching the middle of april and d-day looms right so now is the time to start looking at alternative modes of kind of gathering that information yeah there just isn't the time to go through and take elaborate summative notes of all the material from really any course right so how do so what would you say in this situation now because students like they're yeah, about to write. Some of them might be starting in a few days kind of thing. Um, uh, how would they, what information should they really be looking to digest and focus on in terms of their exam study? Is there a way to determine if that? Were, if I were in a sort of typical undergraduate course, and let's say there were three or four days until the exam, the first thing I would do is to try and do some practice questions. Do a past paper that's on the exam bank. Firstly, you never know when professors are going to lazily repeat questions year on year. <laughs> it's great when that happens, but if you've answered the questions in your practice session, brilliant. But what this is going to tell you, quite bluntly, is what parts of the course am I really strongest at? Mm -hmm. And what parts of the course do I need to work on? If I were a little behind right now, I would say, okay, all the parts of this practice exam that I felt okay about, that I, you know, even hit a 60-70% kind of mark on, okay, I'm not going to revise those first. I'm going to go look at the parts that I'm weakest at. I could then go back to look at my syllabus and say, okay, weeks 1 to 12, where do I feel strongest? Where do I feel weakest? And work accordingly. Rather than starting chapter 1, page 1 of my textbook, mm -hmm. let's go. I'm going to take <laughs> notes on every paragraph. There is no time, and it's just not very efficient. Right. So that's another thing that uh, the services and resources that are available are how to make the most efficient use of your uh, exam study time and uh, otherwise organize that time in a, in a meaningful way that's not otherwise going to be helpful for you in the long run out there, student listeners. Um, so now one of the things too, we've talked a little bit about preparing for exams and the studying for exams. Do you have any tips for the actual writing of the exams? Like a lot of people I think would, you know, uh, they're ready to go and they're all studied up, but then they get in the exam hall and whew, maybe things get a little anxious or tense in there too. So 
what advice do you have for people going into the exam hall to do the work? So we're kind of moving into the field of discussing anxiety as well as being efficient in terms of taking exams. Mm -hmm. Some basic advice I would say would be this. Remember that when you get in the exam hall, almost all Queen's exams give you too much time. There is the occasional professor who likes to torture their students a little more. But most of the time, if you have a three-hour exam scheduled, it's going to take the average student two, two and a half hours to do it. You've got plenty of time to walk in that room, sit down, take some deep breaths, do some breathing exercises. And if you look on Student Wellness Services website, they have lots of information about, you know, sort of anxiety and, and things like that. So they will they will help you out with that element. And then you've got time to make a plan in the exam. How far along am I going to be after half the time, three quarters of the time? Which are the questions that are worth the most? Which are the questions that I should answer first, either because I just want to get that information out because I'm nervous about it, or because I feel really, really strong on that and I know I can get through 20, 30% of the exam paper and feel good for the next couple of hours because mm-hmm. I've, I've got some marks in the bank. Yeah, okay. So great ideas there. Um, now, what advice do you have for students uh, to help students maintain uh, self-care and well-being through the exam study period? Those poor lost souls in staff library at five o'clock in the morning who are furiously cramming for exams are probably not in a good place and probably not going to study very well either. Okay. I would say as far as possible, make a schedule in advance And remember that making a schedule doesn't mean elaborately planning out every hour of your day and cramming more studying in. It means probably studying six, seven hours a day, maybe eight hours a day, and realizing that beyond that, your productivity is going to drop really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so those 12, 14-hour study sessions fueled by Red Bull and despair... Probably not going to serve you very well. Okay. I'm sorry to laugh, but <laughs> well said. When you take a break, even if it's a break within the day, so, you know, study for an hour or two, take a break for an hour, go take a walk, take a shower, take a bath, go play squash or tennis or video games, whatever it is that you do to relax, your brain is still processing this information. Mm-hmm. And if you do have a lot to memorize, if you do feel that you're a little behind on the work from the semester, your brain is still working even if you're not forcing it to. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting tired and unhappy and finding yourself struggling to focus, it is hard to stop if you feel the pressure and of the exam and the pressure to succeed. But just remember this. The evidence says that you should stop. Take a break. Go do something else for a while. You're not working effectively. All right. Then that's fantastic advice. Thank you very much. Um, However, I guess, too, one other question I have is if students actually uh, find themselves in need of mental health support during what we know to be a very stressful period, um, after even after they've uh, um, used your resources and um, uh, tried some of the techniques that they've learned in workshops and and from one-on-one sessions but things can still be overwhelming for some folks where can they get help if they need it for mental health support i agree this can be a very difficult time of year things are coming to a head in terms of assignments and exams are looming It's the end of a long semester and a long and bleak Canadian winter. (laughs) 
remember that Queen's is an awesome campus full of people who are there to help you. Your residence dons are still around if you live in residence. There are services for directions still around. The International Centre still around. Come and talk to us. Come and talk to anyone and express your concerns. If you just put your hand up and say, I need some help, I'm worried about this, there is a whole horde of people who would descend on you to help you out. If you know you need something a little more serious, please go to Student Wellness Services, express your anxiety, and they will take you away. Those professional counselling services that are available to students are free. They're there for every student, and this is absolutely the time of year when they would be expecting to help you out with issues like this. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you should remain silent or just keep pushing on through. Take the time to stop working and come and seek some help. Mm -hmm. And other advice that you might have too, just for uh, self-care and wellness too, like when you're at home and you're doing that eight-hour study day, you don't want to just sit there and do nothing except stare at the books and drink Red Bull. Yeah. What can you do in the meantime to <clears throat> keep productive, but also um, keep um, active and healthy mentally and, and physically? Oh, I see students doing all sorts of things. I see people in the gym, like, reading newspapers and reading books on the treadmills and people recording lectures and listening to them afterwards. There are all sorts of ways that you can go out and study. Go chat to your friends. Talk mm -hmm. about the courses you're taking. Phone your mum and explain your PhD in Russian literature to her. I can <laughs> tell you from experience she'll love it. <laughs> if you're talking about it, you're teaching it. Yes. Right? And if you can teach it... That means you can go into an exam and write some paragraphs about it. You can apply that knowledge. So there are lots of different ways to study that aren't just sitting alone in a room with your books hour after hour after hour. Mm -hmm. There's so many things you can be doing. And so diversify just a little bit and mix it up. Yeah, diversify your study portfolio. That's a, yeah, that's great advice. And any other advice or encouragement you might have for students as uh, we close out our program today? Good luck. Good luck. Enjoy it. Just remember what a lot of work you've done throughout the year at Queen's or throughout your years at Queen's. And remember the exams are not the be-all and end-all. If you do well and get a great grade, good. But just remember you've learned a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And your exam grade doesn't necessarily reflect how much you enjoyed your courses, how much you've learned and where you're going to go in the future. That's very sage, very sage advice. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Ian Garner, Academic Skills Outreach Coordinator with SAS, that is Student Academic Success Services. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming to Campus Beat here at CFRC. Thank you for having me.